Hello and welcome to Management for Startups. Management for Startups is about learning management in small teams, businesses and organizations between 2 to 50 people. My name is Cedric. This podcast is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. So today we're going to be talking about training again, which I, you know, like I promised last week, but uh, it's going to be training in relation to a topic that not many of us managers like to talk about or even think about, uh, which is the relationship between training and firing. Um, and, and in this episode, I'm going to explore a rule that I call the training rule uh, for lack of better creativity or lack of a better term. Um, and it has to do with the relationship between uh, training and firing team members in your organization. And uh, the gist of it is that this rule, this heuristic that I, I developed uh, in my company that I taught sort of discussed it with my managers and I taught it to them uh, and they sort of accepted it as uncomfortable as it is. Um, the heuristic is basically this, right? If you cannot train a team member, a given team member in your team, then you shouldn't keep that team member, right? You shouldn't keep that subordinate. And uh, the, this this heuristic, this rule, basically just uh, as exists as an implication uh, of the principles that I talked about in the Starter Manager Guide, right? Like in, in the bare minimum, uh, you need to know to be an adequate manager series that I opened this podcast with. I think that's episode like one, two, uh, eight um, that, of the podcast. Um, and one of the principles, I mean, like there's basically two principles, right? Which is that A, uh, in order to be a good manager, you, you have to do the manager's job, which is to increase the output of the team. Uh, and one key part of being a manager is being able to delegate. And being able to delegate means that you need to be able to train them. Otherwise, you will be forced to micromanage, which is horrible for everyone involved. It's horrible for your subordinate. It's horrible for you. It means that you know there's a limit to the amount of output or that your team can give because you're sort of just bottleneck, right? You constantly have to, you constantly have to stick your hand into basically every task uh, that that you sh- could have uh, delegated to to your team. So instead of like five people working on five different tasks, it's basically five people all working on five tasks all blocked by one person because that one person, uh, the manager has to go and stick their hands and meddle in each of those five tasks. So training is super important. And uh, I think training, sort of using this rule is sort of a very easy to apply, easy to understand rule for when you need to let someone go. Now, I'm not going to talk about firing as, like, I think I, we definitely have to talk about firing as a separate topic because it's a it's a bigger issue, right? Like, uh, how do you do firing? Like, or how do you approach thinking about it? Um, and how do you, uh, 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 you know, what, what sort of circumstances justify firing? And performance is obviously one of them. Um, but an a, a easier, sort of earlier metric that you can use on whether you should keep someone is to sort of ask yourself, can you train that person? Right? And if you cannot train that person, then it's probably time to let him or her go. Um, so I summarize the principles from uh, the Starter Manager Guide or you know, the Bare Minimum series. Um, and the implication of these three things that I mentioned, that the manager's job is to increase the output of the team, that you need to delegate, that in order to delegate well, you need to be able to train. The implication is that if you can't train, then you are not doing your job, right? Because a person that you can't train is someone that you cannot increase output over time. It's someone that you can't delegate to. You have to micromanage, which means that you are limiting the output of your team. 
right? So say you have a five-man team, a five, sorry, no, I shouldn't say man, <laughs> it's a problem, um, five-person team. And in that five-person team, one of them is uh, someone who just doesn't improve uh, regardless of what you try and what training programs or like getting seen other, other senior engineers or senior uh, uh, staff members, designers, whatever, to try to get them uh, to get this person to improve. You know, they don't improve. What basically happens is that you have a team of effectively four people. No, that's not true as well. You have a team of effectively less than four people. And the reason you have a team of effectively less than four people is because, because this person cannot be trained, you are forced to micromanage, which takes a, a huge amount of your time or a larger than normal amount of your time. And it also affects the people who work with this person, right? This subordinate who cannot be trained. And because they are always constantly lagging behind, they are a drag on productivity because other people will have to put aside, set aside their tasks and try to help this person complete whatever it is that they're trying to do. So it has sort of this like larger than one person effect, right? You're not losing a person on your team. You are also affecting the output of every other person who has to interface or like who has to work with this person. Um, and so I think this is particularly problematic in small companies, in startups, because you have a limited number of seats. And the reason you have a limited number of seats is because startups don't have infinite amounts of money. Uh, you do one, you know, you do have a certain budget and you can't have a large amount of, you know, you, you kind of have a really big team uh, because there's only so much money that can go for salaries, right? So if you have a maximum five-person team and you and that one slot is taken up by a person that could have been uh, replaced by a much more productive software engineer or much more productive uh, designer or much more productive marketing person, you know, regardless of the role, then you are affecting the output of your company and that is, you know, you're wasting their money, you're wasting people's time. So there are a couple of caveats to this rule, right? So the way I phrase it was very intentional. Uh, I said that if you can't train the subordinate, it's time to let them go. Uh, but that also might mean that it is you who are at fault, right? Like you as a manager, uh, you can't train, if you can't train very well or you can only train certain kinds of people, then this rule still applies. But then the implication here is that you you are going to be limited with the number of people who can, who you can hire, who you can work with, and who you can add to your team. So this is sort of provides a sort of a, an intrinsic reason to get better at training. Because if you can't train well and you have only a limited set of personalities or a set of people that you can add to your team, then that's ultimately going to affect your ability to function as a manager, to perform as a manager throughout the rest of your career. And so I often tell uh, my managers when I'm training them that it pays to sort of just put in the effort to get good at training because that sort of cost of learning how to be good at teaching, good at training is going to be amortized and used across the entire length of their management career, which will be many, many decades, hopefully. The second implication uh, from this is that, or rather the, the second caveat is that maybe it's not you, maybe it really is them, but at the same time, it is possible, rare, but I have seen it, I think, one time, where this, like, in, in, in a software engineer uh, doesn't fit in well to your team for whatever reason, doesn't fit in well with your personality, uh, can't be trained that effectively, but then when you see them working with a manager on another team, they perform all right, right? They, they perform well. 
Uh, in this scenario, uh, the rule says, you know, they have to leave your team, but it doesn't mean that they have to be fired. Uh, if you can somehow arrange for them to be moved into the other manager's team, then you've basically saved uh, the company uh, costs, right? Because every time you hire someone, there are time costs involved. Uh, there are also like sort of uh, organizational costs spread across everybody who's involved in the hiring process. Um, and there's also sort of, uh, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, knowledge costs, because this now this person is in the company for a bit. Uh, presumably, uh, this person would have picked up some uh, of the culture or sort of the invisible norms that every worker has to have in order to perform well in a company. And so you're sort of wasting all these investments into his, into him or into her uh, if you, you know, you just fire. So firing really should be the last resort. But again, it stems from the core principle that your job is to increase the output of your team. Um, naturally, if you can pass it on, that's, you know, that's a really good situation because then uh, this subordinate will be happier, He'll be, he or she will be in a team where he or she can contribute much more and the company sort of saves time, saves money, uh, everybody's happy. That's really the ideal situation. Um, but let, let's talk about the difficult thing, right? Let's talk about firing. Um, if you don't fire this person, you are essentially, you're, you're not only like, you know, affecting the output of your team like I described, but you're sending a message loud and clear that you don't value uh, uh, performance and you don't value sort of the time and, and work that has to be spent by all the other subordinates around this bad performing subordinate, around this subordinate that you can't train very well. You're not, you're not, you're basically sending a message to the rest that, oh, you know, you guys are good performers, but I don't really care. Um, you have to sort of just uh, uh, sub in for him. You have to support him or her, um, this bad performing subordinate. And, you know, it sucks. You know, it sucks to be you. Um, and that's not a very nice message to send. And I, I, I will say that this has happened to me multiple times because firing is such a an emotionally charged uh, a thing that I try to avoid or procrastinate even when I know it's better. And the rest of the team sort of like, oh, Cedric has no idea that uh, this person isn't performing up to par. He has no idea that we're all trying to cover for him. And it's, you know, taking a toll on our happiness because in in we already have our workloads. In addition to our workloads, we have to cover for this person who doesn't seem to be doing much work uh, or, or finishing tasks in an acceptable time period. Um, and they were really quite unhappy with me. And but they, you know, they, they didn't bring it up because it was such an uncomfortable topic to bring up. And because I think they they think that I I didn't know. And so when I eventually fired the person, I dragged my feet and fired uh, this person two months after. Um, everybody was sort of shocked. They were like, oh, uh, I, we thought that you didn't know. Uh, we were all very unhappy about him. So that's the worst sort of uh, example, uh, sorry, the worst sort of outcome from this rule. But it isn't, if you think about it, right, it isn't really the worst outcome. The worst outcome is this person stays on, you send a loud message, everybody gets overworked because of him, resentment builds, and you have effectively not only not done your job, you have effectively, you know, uh, destroyed the output of your team. You've really, you've, you've exercised negative managerial leverage and caused your team to suck even more. Um, so that's sort of... <laughs> I, I, I will save, I think, some more stories for the eventual podcast episode about firing. Um, I have a lot of horrible stories. And in many of those stories, the, the, the horrible uh, uh, version of the story is not the fact that the person was fired, but in the scenario where the person wasn't fired, right? And all you know, really, really bad things happen. But I want to sort of close this episode 
uh, by talking about a, a, a direct implication or a direct application, sorry, of this rule. Um, so this training heuristic uh, where you, if you can't train, uh, therefore fire, is very useful when it comes to probation. Um, and we, in fact, we use this training heuristic or rather we developed this training heuristic at, the, at my previous company because it was the metric for should I keep or let this person go uh for probation, right? It was the it was it was the deciding factor in a given subordinate's pr probation. So when you got hired at my previous company, juniors would have a probation period of about a month. Uh, senior engineers uh, would have a probation period of two months. I, I don't know whether they changed it to three months after I left, but there was some discussion, ongoing discussion for a couple months before I left whether we should extend it to three months because senior engineers we were starting to hire like really se senior people, and we wanted to be to make sure that they were the right role. Um, and and don't get me wrong. They had uh, they had full benefits for the entire probation. We paid them one hundred percent of the salary because you know we were we we thought it was fair to them, right? Like we're taking you up for like one month or two months of your time. We should pay you fairly for it. Uh, but the metric that we use was truly just you know it just stemmed uh, from the training heuristic, right? which is that. Each person coming in has, we have an onboarding program, we have a standardized training program that I've talked about in a previous episode uh, about how you should, you know, sort of systematize your training to, to amortize the cost of coming out with that training program in the first place. So we had this training program, we put all our new hires through it, and at the end of it, the metric that we used on, on the keep or let go decision was, what was the rate of growth, right? Uh, did they grow? Uh, did they learn? Were they trainable at a level that we expect of most of the other people who have gone through our training program? Um, and this is a very instructive sort of exercise because uh, the degree with which you're able to train a subordinate is indicative of like how successful uh, that subordinate's term in your team will be. Uh, because if you can train them, then eventually over time, you will have less and less work to do because you can give them more and more responsibilities. They'll get promoted. And eventually, you as a manager can start sort of, you know, moving on to the next thing because uh, the ideal situation is after one or two years, your team is sort of running so well that you have more free time to focus on higher level uh, things in your startup or your company, which is always a good thing, you know, yeah. Um, all right, so that's that for this episode. Uh, I really like the training heuristic because it simplifies the problem of like how to uh, evaluate people on probation. Um, I also think it's sort of like a general heuristic for looking at your team. Uh, although I will say that if the team, you know, if you're, you, have, you have a subordinate that's problematic and firing is, is on the table, uh, usually it's very clear. Like you, everybody can tell. Uh, and the way you know, uh, and I'll talk about this in a, in, a, in a future episode, the way you know is that when you think about the topic of firing, your brain sort of recoils from the thought and tries not to think about it. That's when you know you have to fire. So on, on that slightly depressing note, uh, this is the end of this episode. I'll see you next week. Cedric out. <laughs>